December 29, 1994. This photo of a cardinal is not my actual plane, but it is the exact same year and paint job. This year, for our third anniversary, I knew that Don would ignore me and the day, and I did nothing to mark the day, resigning myself ahead of time to the fact that Don would use his cheapness as a weapon. I didn't want things, only the acknowledgement of the occasion. I must have been pretty well prepared because I didn't cry a single tear when he chose to go to an auto auction. In late October, through the first couple of weeks in November, we experienced a blissful union like nothing I could ever remember. We fired Debbie Sampson and our love life became so much more intense. We began to make love every day again, something we hadn't done since we moved here. I felt so close to Don and began to trust him again. We spent all of our time together and were getting along great. I had been taking flying lessons since September after nearly dying with Don on one of his straight up and back driving trips to Macon, Missouri. I got sick on that trip and still can't shake it. I was afraid Don was planning on going back up in a plane because he was talking about it all the time and he had started loaning money secured by planes and spending time at airports. I knew it was only a matter of time, so I began the lessons without telling him so that if he did start flying again, I could protect him from his own bad judgment. During our month of heavenly bliss, I told him what I had been doing after he told me that he would have been so much more careful if he had known that he would lose his license. He seemed happier with me than he's ever been. He called me his buzz bunny and was very supportive of my efforts, and without my asking, he took a lot of the legal workload off of me and gave it to Sheldon Wind Esquire. I studied in between classes. I read every night until I fell asleep. I practiced and practiced and still took care of him and the cats and went through the loss of my fax and printer. I bought a new computer and fax and printer that was portable so that I could keep up the work, which Sheldon was failing miserably at, and still spend time with Don because he wanted my company more than ever before. The new computer uses different software that will make my work more efficient, but it takes time to learn. Now I was studying to teach myself new computer skills, how to fly safely, and because Don was unhappy with our attorney's performance, I was again taking on more work. I didn't care. My love was being kind to me and seemed to really care. Life was so good. Thursday before Christmas, Don asked me to take care of a mortgage foreclosure sale at the courthouse, and I told him I was going to pick up his checkbook from Ann McQueen before 3 p.m. so that she could leave on vacation. I did the sale, got groceries so that I could cook something for Don, came home to unload, and started the crock pot going, and intended to be at the office by 3 p.m. When I arrived home at noon, Don asked if I had picked up the affidavit from Ann McQueen for Alex to sign saying that he overheard Vernon Yates say he wouldn't charge Don for keeping our leopards. I don't think I ever talked about this in the diary so far, but what had happened was the FWC had issued our Class 1 license, or said they had, over the phone, and there were two leopards that were going to be euthanized, so we had picked them up. But then, as soon as they got here, the FWC shows up with Vernon Yates and says, oh, that was a different Don Lewis, that wasn't you and took the cubs and gave them to Vernon Yates, who then sold them. So <laughs> this was Don talking about how um, Alex had said he had overheard Yates saying when he came to pick them up that he wasn't going to charge them, 
charge us for them and as soon as we had our license we could get them back but he sold them as pets and we never did get them back I guess I should make an entry about that since it's not here back to the diary I explained that I hadn't been to the office yet because I wanted to cook something for Don I abhor cooking but I wanted to please him I typed the affidavit myself but Don told Alex to leave before I got it done afterwards Don said that I was useless he said I never do anything right he said that he didn't want to live under the same roof with anyone as stupid as me. He said he'd rather I leave or at least move in with Jamie. I asked him to name one time when I wasn't working frantically on something for his benefit. He couldn't, but it didn't matter. He still wanted me gone. I moved into Jamie's trailer for the night. I figured he must have had a bad day, and I'd let him calm down before trying to reason with him. I usually brush my hair and put on my makeup while driving down the road, because I can't take time away from serving Don to do so like a normal person. Even at Jamie's, I studied by the glow of my little laptop's LED screen so that I could be a little more useful for Don. The evening of the next day, Don apologized for what he said and blamed it on just having a bad day. It felt so good to snuggle close to him that night. That was December 23rd, and he had already made arrangements to fly to California by himself on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, to look at a plane for sale. I not only was not invited, but flatly told that $300 round trip was too much to pay just so that I could be with him for the holiday. I told myself that Christmas is just another day, and maybe with him gone, he wouldn't deliberately try to hurt my feelings. I pretended to myself that he hadn't already. Don had bought a 1961 Comanche and a 1968 Cardinal for me to train in. The Cardinal had a lot of problems, and after flying it twice, I decided to have it put through an annual inspection and repaired. It had one cylinder cracked all the way through and cracks in the other three. The repair estimate was $3,500 and I authorized the work. Don came home from California and said he would have flown the Arrow, this type of plane, home himself, but couldn't come to terms price-wise with the seller. I knew then that he was completely incapable of making a competent decision against all of our agreements that he would not fly until properly licensed, nor would he fl even fly alone, he tells me that he intended to fly a strange plane all the way across the country in the dead of winter by himself. The man should be committed. This morning, he tells me he's going to have some unlicensed pilot fly him out of Toledo to pick up another cardinal that he would, pil that he would pilot home solo. I forbid him to do something so reckless because he's never flown a cardinal. He answered to my protest, his answer to my protest was that he'd do a few touch and goes in our cardinal before leaving. I told him the cardinal was sitting in pieces awaiting a top overhaul. He threw a temper tantrum and called the airport telling them to roll it out of their garage and he'd have Chuck Hines at Pilot Country Estates put it back together. I knew Don would make a stupid judgment like that. Chuck is the one who convinced Don to buy the cardinal, knowing it needed extensive repair which Don agreed to let Chuck do. Chuck has a bad reputation for signing aircraft off when they're unsafe. He works on them outside in the elements with no protection against rust. An annual, which has to be done by this month, requires the entire plane be broken down and gone over with a fine-tooth comb. There's no way this could be safely done by Chuck at Pilot Country Estates. Note, Chuck Hines died shortly thereafter, test flying a plane. Before I authorized any of the work, I read extensively on the matter and thoroughly picked Don's brain on previous similar work he has done on planes before. 
The price quoted me for the work involved were well within what Don had approved before, and I felt that if Don found out, which ultimately I knew he would, he'd be mad, but at least I wouldn't have to tell him that I felt like he was too incompetent to make a good decision. I wanted to be safe and legal without the necessity of insulting my beloved. Apparently, I made a bad decision if I believed that Don could see or appreciate the position I'm in. I asked him what he would have done had I consulted him prior to what I had done, and he said he would have let Chuck do the work no matter what. He said it's all his money, and he is the only one who makes decisions on how to spend it. I reminded him that I work right alongside of him every day and asked that if he didn't give me the right to make such a simple call on a plane that he'd bought for me, he said that he had warned me that when I had installed central heat and air in Jamie's trailer, that I was never to spend any of his money without his consent. He said it was the last straw that I had allowed Jamie to subscribe to cable. We've had that argument a hundred times and he keeps forgetting that she pays for that herself. He threw the thing about the horses at me again, but he keeps forgetting it was my efforts that repaid him every dime and how he lost nearly $4 million to his other girlfriend, Pam. I had quietly explained what I had done and why and tried to make him feel that he had contributed to the good thing I had done with his previous experience he had shared and how I knew he cared about my safety. There was no pacifying him. He said he was leaving and wouldn't be back tonight. It's 9.30 p.m. and he did come home, but he's not speaking. He said that he wants me to get Jamie and get out of here because he doesn't want to worry about me spending his money. He accused me of stealing the $8,300 he lost a couple weeks ago. He had accused our housekeeper before, and although I've never so much as slipped $100 from his wallet, I think he believes I stole from him now. I've cried all afternoon while I work up a $126,000 deal for him, learned how to send and receive faxes through a computer, trimmed all of the roses, cut away grass and weeds that are choking the plants that accent his serval pens, and fed all of the animals. I didn't lash back, but again resigned myself to wait out his evil temper. I listened while he told me that all of the money is his and that everything we have he earned by himself and brought into this marriage by himself. He said there's nothing I do for him that he couldn't pay any flunky $350 to $400 a week for. He said that he doesn't trust me and doesn't want to live with me anymore and that he will furnish me with a place to move out and give me $500 a week to live on. How generous. I'm still crying, so I guess I still care. I'd love so much to die and not hurt anymore, but I've got Jamie and she'd have no one if I died. It's no use to leave him. I'd only come back. He's all I've ever known and the only man I've ever loved. I hope Jamie never finds herself in such a sick and perverted relationship. I wish there were some way out for me.